You know, one of the, the songs that uh, sometimes plays through my head um, is, is an old song, but, but one that, again, has moved me at, at different stages in my life. I find myself, uh, perhaps you do this very same thing, uh, humming uh, this song over and over in my head, uh, walking through it as, as the Lord walks with me. It's an old song, Make Me a Servant. It goes something like this, Make me a servant. Humble and meek, Lord, let me lift up those who are weak, and may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant, make me a servant, make me a servant today. <clears throat> just, just simply that, make me a servant. And, and as we come into the last couple weeks of our series, Holy Habits, where we, where we intentionally look uh, to develop habits and routines and, uh, that, that are surrounded the, around the objective of allowing our inner life to mature in who God is and who He's made us to be, we need to be servants. Uh, the question is, Lord, how will you make me a servant? How, what will you do to teach me uh, to be a servant like you? Now, in answer to that question, we come to try and follow the example of no surprise of that of Jesus. In fact, this morning we find Jesus and He's with His disciples uh, and, and He has them surrounded and uh, He doesn't have them surrounded. They're probably surrounding Him. <laughs> but there is Jesus and He's with His disciples and, and He gives us this incredible, humble teaching opportunity to answer the question of how we're to become servants uh, that follow Him. And he does it by grabbing a towel and a basin of water and washing his disciples' feet. It's actually a context where the disciples, uh, they're likely arguing over who's the best, over who's the greatest. Uh, some scholars have even said that it's not just that Jesus is here saying uh, that the disciples are arguing over who's the greatest. Uh, they're probably arguing who's not the least. I don't want to be the last one. And in answer to all of that, Jesus gives them an example and He gets down on the floor and He does something uh, that in conventional wisdom, quite frankly, was below Him. After all, he's a rabbi, he's a teacher, he's their great leader, he's the master, and he does something to show them who they are to become. And he washes their feet. In the midst of them uh, thinking that greatness is about uh, serving the kingdom of the world, Jesus teaches them how to become a servant. In fact, in the text that we're going to look at, Jesus uses the example the word of example. He says, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, in other words, what he's saying is, I'm going to give you a pattern. I'm going to give you a mirror to look at. Uh, I'm going to give you footsteps so that you can follow. I'm going to give you a compass uh, with an arrow pointing in the right direction so that you can become a servant that follows me. 
So if you're interested in following Jesus this morning, if you're interested in, in looking and following His example of emulating His activity, of looking in the mirror of Jesus and saying, I want my life to look like that. I want to become a servant. Lord, make me a servant. Then I want to encourage you, join me in John chapter 13. Join me in John chapter 13. If you need, grab one of those pew Bibles in front of you. Go to John chapter 13. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is how the New Testament begins. It's probably three quarters of the way through your Bible. I would in, uh, invite you, once you have grabbed that Bible, if you'll set it in the pew or put it on the table back there so that uh, we can wash it off and all that good stuff once you're done with it, that'd be great. But John chapter 13 is where we're going to find ourselves. John 13. If you're interested in making yourself a follower of Jesus in the way that He was a servant, if you're asking yourself the question that we're asking of ourselves this morning, and how is it that we become servants in the way that Jesus was a servant, uh, then you need to understand that identity goes before mission. That who of servanthood precedes the what of service. Identity precedes the service. Uh, Jesus is going to tell us who He is. He's going to say, hey, hey, this is, this is the whole of who I am. And then we're going to see Jesus jump into the what of service. Walk with me. I'm going to begin in verse 1 in chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. So, He got up from the meal, He took off His outer clothing, and He wrapped a towel around His waist. And after that, He poured water into a basin and He began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. Identity goes before service. The who of servanthood precedes the what of the service. I want you to notice something drastic in this text. Uh, look at verse 3 for a moment. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, that He had come from God and was returning to God. The Father had put all things. Everybody say, all things. All things. All things. It's a lot of things. All things is an awful lot. Before we see Jesus uh, wrap that towel around His waist, before we see Him engage in the what of service, uh, there's a recognition in the text of who exactly Jesus is. Jesus first is a servant before He serves because we recognize that servants will find themselves serving. Before you decide to go out and find the what of service, you have to find your identity in Jesus. 
And Jesus knows who He is. He's been given all things from the Father. Everything has been given to Him. He recognizes His identity as one who is God. And knowing that, then that allows Him to go out and serve in every imaginable capacity that you and I could possibly imagine. And in verse 4, it says, after all that, all things have been given, He says in verse 4, so. So He goes out and He does this. Because Jesus is who He is, He goes out and serves. Hey, if you want to follow the example of Jesus, if you want to make yourself a servant, if you want to answer a question about how to habitually make a pattern in your life that allows you to serve, you have to be a servant first. Think about what Jesus does. He does the the lowest imaginable thing that was available to Him in His world. When Jesus decides that He's going to wash the disciples' feet, it was was this very humbling, slaves would do this. And in a conventional way of thinking, Jesus lowers Himself to the very lowest totem, totem piece on the... the, he, He goes real low. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. He goes real low. He goes as low as you could possibly think to go. And in conventional wisdom, uh, this rabbi, this Lord, this Master, the one we call Savior, goes to the lowest possible extreme uh, that was available to anybody in His world. And He says, I'm going to show you what servanthood really looks like. Now, here's where your, your, uh, your palms ought to be getting a little sweaty. Here's where your heart starts to to go a little faster. Because in the midst of that, Jesus invites and summons His disciples to do the same thing. Jesus goes and does this incredibly humble servanthood thing to show His disciples the kind of servants that they should become. And then He invites them, and subsequently He invites us to be that kind of servant. Jump in to the text with me in verse 15. Notice the invitation. I have set you an example. There's that word again. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, if you are on board with following me, if you want to answer the question in your own life about how to become a servant, if you're praying the prayer, Lord, make me a servant, then you have to be keenly aware of the kind of service that Jesus has done before you. And if you're following Him, then you need to put His servanthood pants on. Jesus is saying, hey, everybody, guess what? It's time for you to go to your closet. It's time for you to go to your drawer. And it's time for you to put the service pants on. Church, if you haven't known about those pants, now you do. 
It's time to stick those pants on and begin your journey of following the example of Jesus and putting, putting the service pants on. But I also want to challenge you, church. Some of you know where those service pants are. You know where the servanthood pants have been for a long time. They've been, they've been hanging up in your closet for a while. Uh, they've been hanging out in your drawer way down at the bottom because they just keep getting shuffled down to the bottom. And I want to challenge you the way Jesus is challenging His disciples. Hey, if you want to follow Jesus as a servant like Jesus, then you need to follow in His footsteps and put those pants on and march forward. It's time for you to serve. And some of you have ignored those pants for a long time. Some of you are scared to put those pants on because you're like, well, if I begin to follow in the example of Jesus, if I have to become a servant like Him and begin service like Him, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. But Jesus doesn't give us any out here. If we're to engage in a regular routine, in a pattern, a holy habit where our inner life uh, is expressed outwardly, then we have to put the servanthood pants on. And we begin to watch as Jesus goes forward and we follow Him in His footsteps. So let's evaluate Jesus' service here. Now, it doesn't say this explicitly in this text. I'll give you that. But it sure seems to me that Jesus does not approach this lowly servanthood activity. That Jesus doesn't approach the, the washing of the disciples' feet out of obligation. It sure seems like Jesus comes to wash the disciples' feet and He looks at it as an opportunity being fully God, being fully man, having the full identity, having been given all things from God, Jesus approaches this service opportunity as an opportunity and not an obligation. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever served out of obligation instead of opportunity? I, I have. I have for sure. But I don't see Jesus here, all the power of God, stooping down going, stupid disciples. How come they can't wash their own feet? This is dumb. But have you done that before? Oh, oh I have. How come these people can't do this on them? On them, on, on them? Uh, I, I'm tripping over my words all morning long. How come these people can't do this on their, uh, by themselves? Why do I have to do this? Somebody else should do it. That's usually how it ends, right? This should be somebody else's job. This is not my job. Oh no, but that's not how Jesus approaches it, is it? Why? Because servants will serve. That's what they do. And Jesus doesn't approach this, this lowly activity, this thing that He, he, he knows needs doing, that all the disciples know needs doing. He doesn't approach it and go, man, these disciples are dumb. No, no. In fact, He shows them the depth of His love by serving them in this way. You see, when we find ourselves as servants and we find service 
that is in keeping with the example and the model that Jesus has given to us, uh, we find that we are able to love others by how we serve them. Something that's always fascinated me about John chapter 13, something that, that I love, in fact, about John chapter 13, is that there are only two named characters in John chapter 13. There's two characters. Outside of Jesus, there are two characters in John chapter 13. Jesus is washing His feet. Uh, he's ready to go to the cross. And in John chapter 13, there are two named characters. Do you know who the characters are? Peter and Judas. What do we know about Peter and Judas? They both betray Jesus. Both of them. Both of them deny Jesus. Both of them turn their back on Jesus. Both of them in different places at different times, they say, I don't want any part of this. Now we know the story ends very differently for Peter and Judas. I get you. But stay with me right here for now. Peter and Judas haven't yet done that. But Jesus knows it's coming. And He chooses to serve them anyway. What does Jesus say? Very beginning of this text. It's before the festival. The hour has come. He's going to the cross. That's what John's telling us there. He's got to go. He's got to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. Now, certainly He's talking about the cross. Certainly He's talking about He's going to complete the mission that God has given Him to do. But I also think in this context that Jesus is going to serve them and love them in His service. And who does He serve? He serves the two people in the world who are about to betray Him. Hey, hey, can I tell you, church, that service like that does not come out of obligation. When you are able to serve those who a moment later are about to stab you in the back, who are about to deny you, who are about to walk out on you when you most need them, that kind of service doesn't come because you just decided what to do first. It comes because you follow Jesus first. And when you follow Jesus first, then the natural fruit, the natural identifying marker of your life will be that you will serve like that. Church, our world desperately needs people who are servants, who follow Jesus, who find their identity in Christ, and because they identify themselves as servants of Jesus first, they are able to love those who are different than them. We don't serve those who are different than us, who would in a moment betray us, who would like to shut us down. We don't get to serve them because we have an obligation that will last a minute, maybe a day. But in that obligation, there will be no joy. There will be no jubilation. We will serve out of guilt and not out of grace. And Jesus when he kneels down and he wraps the towel around him and he decides to take the towel and to wash his disciples' feet, he says, hey, there's an opportunity here to love 
people. He says, hey, follow my footsteps. There's a pattern that I'm setting out here for you. There's a mirror that I want you to emulate. There's a compass and I'm pointing you in the right direction. Be a servant like me. Lord, make me a servant. And Jesus says, if we're willing to do this, as He speaks to His disciples, as we learn alongside of them, He says, there's a blessing, there's a reward, there's an outcome that's pretty good for you if you will be servants like this. Look with me in verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed if you do them. You'll be rewarded from God. Now, i got to be honest with you. John doesn't give us what the blessing is. He doesn't say, hey, if you, if you go out and you're a servant like this and you serve like this and the example and following the pattern of Jesus and the compass that He set out for you, uh, He doesn't say, hey, the blessing is many riches and, and lots of fame. Actually, if we walk through the rest of the New Testament, we find that if we're following in the servanthood pattern and the service of Jesus, uh, that we're more likely to find persecution and suffering and, and shame. Jesus said to His disciples, hey, remember that the world hated Me me and they'll hate you too that's more likely what we're going to find if we follow the example of Jesus but he does say hey there's going to be blessing there's a couple of options of what this could mean throughout the book of John John has said over and over hey uh, it's only in Jesus that you're going to have eternal life you want abundant life you have to follow Jesus maybe that's what he's talking about here but I think the context offers us an, another option. You see, John chapter 13, in my mind, in John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, scholars call this the farewell discourse. They say that this is the farewell discourse because Jesus says, So long, farewell, I'll be saying that you, that you. Okay? He's saying goodbye, okay? Any Sound of Music fans out there? You know? So long, farewell. Okay. That's why they call it the farewell discourse. Jesus is saying sayonara. He's, he's going throughout John. Uh, John is like, the hour hasn't yet come. The hour hasn't yet come. The hour hasn't yet come. And boom, right there in chapter 13, the hour has come. What's Jesus got to do? Well, it's time for Him to go to the cross. That's the mission that, that God gave to Jesus. It's time for Him to go and die and suffer. Why? So that you and I might live. So we might have redemption and the atonement for our sins. And that's a whole other sermon. But it's time for Him to go. And so what is He doing? He's saying, i got to go, but, but I, I want you to know that I'm taking care of you. i got to go, but I'm going to take care of you. And He's going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and all of that stuff. Uh, but He says, I'm going and I'm preparing something when I go. I'm going so that I can do what you can't do, uh, but I'm, I'm working. I'm working. I'm getting it ready for you. Heaven's going to be awesome. This presence with God. Notice what he says in chapter 14. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He said, hey, I I got this great grand venture uh, attached with your name on it. Now, could it be, could it be, could it be that this blessing in verse 17 that's attached to our being servants like Jesus, serving like Him, could it be that when we serve like that, that heaven will be blessed and we will be blessed by what people are impacted because of our service in heaven. That there might be some folks that we have impacted and served as servants in in the same vein of Jesus, our Savior. Is it possible that in serving in that manner, that heaven will be blessed. And when we get there, and when God has prepared a place for us, we're going to get there and notice that there's some folks there that have been impacted by our service. Is it possible? You know what that means? It means that all of your servanthood service matters. All of it. Jesus is going to say in another area of Scripture, He's going to say, hey, if you give the smallest little cup of water in My name, it's a good thing. You know those little Dixie cups that you probably have in your bathroom like I have in my my bathroom? Those little tiny cups. Jesus says, hey, you, you do something so small. You give someone like that that needs a drink of water, you give them a little Dixie cup like that, that's a good thing. All of your service matters, gang, when you are servants of Jesus following in the pattern and the example that He has established. What does that mean? It means that Deanna Seward, who was here in our first service, it means that when she picks up the phone because someone wants to get into the food pantry and she goes in and there is food all over the table and she's got to categorize it and she's got to put it on the shelf, it means that it matters. It means that when Lyle is back here and he's strumming on the guitar, it means that every strum matters. And sometimes he picks too, and it's really awesome. It's like, and it matters. And it means that when when Charlie and Colin are walking around on the security team and they're trying to make sure that everybody's safe and they're looking after everything, it means that it matters. And it means that when you or somebody else you know is back in the nursery and they're patting babies' bottoms and they're praying over them, it means that that matters. It it means that that when there's there's people in our church who are leading small groups, it means that when, when... there's people in our church that are saying, hey, I'm willing to invest myself in junior high students, even though junior high students are crazy. Sorry, junior high students, but you're kind of crazy. I have one. Okay, I know. It means that all of that matters. It means that if you are someone who holds the door for someone as they walk in, it matters. It means that if you rake your neighbor's yard in the name of Jesus, that that matters. Do you hear it? It matters. Jesus says in verse 17, if you do this, if you're servants and you serve like Me, if you follow that example, you're going to be blessed if you do it. 
And it all matters. And church, we need you to be servants. We need you to be servants. We need you to put those servanthood pants on. We don't need you to ignore it anymore. We don't need you to just look at it in your drawer or on on the shelf. We need you to pick it up. We need you to put those pants on. We need you to follow in the example of Jesus. And recently, recently, one of the areas that we desperately need servants is we need servant leaders. Some of you are afraid of that word, leader. You're afraid because it means responsibility and it means decision. But God has uniquely gifted you to serve as a leader. And I want you to hear, Whiting Christian Church, that you are needed and the things that you can do matter. And yes, we still have a sign-up sheet back there. I looked at it this morning that does need all sorts of other things. We still need people who are going to be willing to pat babies' bottoms and pray over them. And we need people who are going to uh, enjoy the chaos of a preschool room. Yes, we need that too. And yes, we need servants who are willing uh, to come into youth group and enjoy high school and junior high students as maddening as that might have become. But we need servants who are saying, I will follow the example of Jesus. And we need people who are desperately praying, make me a servant. Church, will you develop the pattern and the routine in your life where you say, I'm a servant and I will serve. Pray with me. Gracious God, I pray that You will guide us to be servants for You. I pray, God, that there would be no barrier in our way to serving in the way that You have designed us to serve. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't look at service as an obligation, but an opportunity. I pray, Lord, that we will not serve out of guilt, but we will serve in grace. And we will identify ourselves with You. Follow You. And because we have identified ourselves and our life with You, that we will serve like You. And we pray this all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.